people don't realize it, but it's one of the highest death rates among all mental illnesses is anorexia. It's, it, I think it is number one death rate on all mental illness fronts. So, um, and the only one of five of those is actually by suicide. So you, you think about that, it, it is a life ending illness. You're listening to the Mental Health Download from the nonprofit Mental Health Association, Oklahoma. I'm Matt Gleason. On today's episode, we're talking with Margie and Wong Lam. The Oklahoma City couple produced the Defining Moments podcast. Wong hosts and Margie works her magic behind the scenes. Together, they have built a great following because they believe in the power of positive people with unique stories, including our very own CEO, Mike Bros, who appears on episode 21. By sharing stories, they hope to inspire a more positive world. It really is an honor they're here today because, full disclosure, the mental health download simply would not exist without them. They're both podcasting Yodas who are always there to take our crisis calls, give us pointers, and to cheer us on. So, let's get to the interview. The mental health download starts now. Welcome. Thank you so much. Yeah, we really absolutely. appreciate the, yeah. the kind words and the intro here, and we're really happy, I think, to be here. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having us. It's uh, You talk about us being Yodas. We were Padawans at one time, and we're not Yodas <laughs> yet, but sticking with the Star Wars thing, we definitely appreciate We're honored to definitely be yeah, here. Yeah, for Most sure. Definitely. Awesome. Okay, well, um, my first question, really, because talking of the Defining Moments podcast, I want to talk about your defining moments related to mental health. Sure. And so, especially Margie, I believe that you have, you've been on a journey. And so I just kind of want to, you know, can you walk us through how that experience has been for you? Yeah. Um, I guess I'll start with, uh, the podcast defining moments podcast. We interview people about their defining moments in life, um, from all walks of life. And so that's been a real journey. And, and actually another defining moment of mine is getting to meet all of these people and do, and participate in these interviews. My husband does the interviews, but um, yeah, I was on actually episode two two of Defining Moments podcast, uh, just talking about my own experience with my defining moment. And mine was uh, when I was younger, I actually battled anorexia um, and that disorder led to a lot of health complications for me. I started probably in my teen years uh, when I was in middle school. And it started with just, you know, limiting food intake and this desire to look a certain way. Um, and that led to progressively worse health issues to the intervention of my parents. And then the, finally the intervention of my doctor, uh, where she told me what all could end up happening to me if I continued down that path. It scared me enough to, <laughs> to knock me out of it, not without some challenges and stumbles along the way, but uh, fortunately was able to work my way out of it relatively quickly and get right back onto the healthy eating path. But because of the period of time that I was under the influence of anorexia nervosa, um, I did end up with some health complications later in life. So that kind of spurred my own health journey um, to kind of self-discovery of what was going on with my body and you know how could I help heal it a little more naturally. And that led me to actually getting a certification in health coaching and becoming a certified health coach. And so now I help people develop a healthy lifestyle habit through a company that I own, uh, Healthy and Hustlin'. And I do personal coaching and I help kind of n- people navigate that 
kind of crazy health world where there's a ton of misinformation. There's a ton of people that have ideas on and opinions about what you need to do, what you can eat, what you can't eat. And um, I try to help people navigate that world and, and really just simplify it. It's, it's a lot more simple than people make it because I think you can develop eating disorders off of just trying to be healthy too. And so I, I really try to work people into habits that are, are truly healthy but sustainable for them. So it's a little bit about about mine. I'm yeah. Like, so when so when you were, how old were you? I, teen years, probably 12, 13, 12, 13. when it first developed. So a lot of people don't think that anorexia is a mental illness, but it most sure. definitely yeah. is. Yeah. They see it as a moral failing. They yeah. see you as a vanity or some right. sort of, there. there's horrible judgment on people yes. experiencing anorexia. Yeah. Um, there's no understanding. There's no compassion. Hopefully that's changed over the years. I'd like to think so. I would hope so. You know, did you feel that you couldn't talk to people because you were worried that they would judge you or you would get trouble? Sure. I think um, and one of the statistics on anorexia, and I'm by no means an expert on it, but uh, a good predictor for anorexia is social anxiety. And so they say about 50 to 80 percent of the people that develop anorexia have some sort of social anxiety attached to that, too. So I think that really, is it a chicken or is it an egg? You know, do you not want to talk to people because there's there's also perfection tendencies in people that develop anorexia. And, I, and I'm certainly one of those people. I have perfection tendencies and you know, um, yeah. um, I really do try, strive in perfection and it can be a downfall. And, and that is one area that it can be a downfall. And I think that specifically leads led me to not want to reach out for help. Um, it's that idea of, well... I'm trying to be perfect in, in all these different aspects, which then leads to some of the social anxiety, which then leads to me not wanting to reach out for help from doctors or from my parents. And so that that really was part of the hamper in that. So what was that moment? What was that defining moment where that changed your life, that saved your life? Sure. truly, It truly was my mom taking me to the doctor finally and saying, okay, I want her to tell you you know, if you continue down this path, this is what it's going to look like for you. And, you know, these are first, you know, this is going to happen and your these organs are going to start failing. And this is what the end of your life looks like, because actually people don't realize it, but it's one of the highest uh, death rates among all Ill mental illnesses is anorexia. It's, it, I think it is number one death rate on all mental illness fronts. So um, and the only one of five of those is actually by suicide. So. You, you think about that, it, it is a life-ending illness. Mm -hmm. um, so after hearing it from the doctor on, you know, well, this is what life is going to look like, is what you're going through right now and the stress of it worth what it, your life is going to end up being? Um, and that just terrified me. <laughs> that was enough to say, you know, and, and it could have hit the perfectionist tendencies. It could have hit just the, the social anxiety tendency too of being in the doctor's office and just enough to scare me out of, out of it. Um, like I said, it wasn't without its struggle to kind of, to work my way out, but that really was a defining moment of, okay, yes, like this is a problem and I do have to change it. So what was the treatment like? Uh, for me, it was a lot. I, I didn't actually go through any um, therapy after that initial visit. Uh, it was a lot of just working with my parents and um, just my own determination to just turn it around ended up really working for me. That's um, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I do, it's not recommended <laughs> for everybody and it's not yeah. truly a treatment path. It depends on how far advanced you are in the illness and... Um, 
I think my parents are, you know, involved enough in my life that they were on top of what was going on and trends that they were seeing. And um, so uh, fortunately, it wasn't too advanced for me to just kind of be able to pull myself out of it with the support of my family. Yeah. So after that, you said like the second episode of Defining Moments, yeah, you, yeah. you mm -hmm. told that story. Yeah. Um, well, how, you, obviously you knew the story. Yeah. But what was it like interviewing your wife and hearing her maybe open up about these things in details that maybe you hadn't heard before? I mean, what what was that like interviewing her about that about her journey? Yeah, that that's a great question. So when I interviewed her and, and just actively listened to the story, you could tell that the struggle at that time was real, and the passion she developed to hey, what can I do to now help myself and she basically surrounded herself with great parents mr and mrs rose which are my in-laws and knowing them now really defined that part of the time because they're amazing people strong people mentally strong people and it takes really strong people that you surround yourself with to get out of that so when i was listening to her story i got chills because like man that's 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 my wife or soon to be wife at the time. And then also it gave me strength to be more open with actively listening to struggles that your next door neighbor has, the neighbor across the street has, the grocery clerk, yeah. friends, right? And then from that point forward, last year when we interviewed Mike Bros, the CEO here, it actually gave me even more power to ask a couple of my friends that, have like high anxiety issues that it got to the point where I asked them if they were going to commit suicide or if they were felt suicide, they thought about suicide because I was going through listening to what Mr. Bros was explaining and then the staff in Oklahoma city and how thorough they were with explaining QBR. And it's just the empowerment that you get from listening to my wife's story and you gain more knowledge. It's a growth mindset that you get. And then you hear the next story and then you're like, man, there's so much life out there. And more importantly is, will you take the time to listen to someone? That's, that's what I've definitely learned. <laughs> so do you think your level, so we all have a certain level of compassion that's sort of built mm -hmm. in that we were raised with, but like through, uh, through my own journey, um, I've, I've gotten really into meditation to deal with my anxiety and yeah. depression. I've, I've, I've lost two siblings, um, and just the grief of that, I got really into meditation um, as a treatment. Um, I also, you know, um, got on Prozac, which for the first time I'd ever been on a medication, it made such a world of difference for me. Uh -huh. But through meditation, one of the things is that it really, it heightens your compassion. And so I see things differently now than I used to. Mm -hmm. um, do, how has this podcast and hearing those stories heightened your own level of compassion? Well, that's, um, that's a great question. And thinking about this, the my compassion level has been really high. Uh, you talk about meditation. My wife and I meditate all the time. And prior to even dating her, I was doing a lot of meditation on my own. My parents are Buddhist. So that helped me understand Buddhism as a way of life. How do you want to live your life? Through the podcast, however, it's magnified it thousand thousands and thousands of times it's it's phenomenal I, I i don't know if there's any 
enough words in the dictionary <laughs> to just really describe the, what I have learned myself and the growth and the potential out there and being more understanding, compassionate to the quote unquote less fortunate. Yeah. And how can we help more? Well, and even just um, to understand that everybody has a story and everybody is going through something currently, not has gone through something, but is currently going through something. And to really to hear the stories and, and what people have gone through in their past or what people are currently go through is really eye opening. And it allows you to develop a compassion for, you know, everybody else around you. And mm -hmm. so I think with every new podcast we do, it just builds and it reinforces that idea that, hey, you know, kindness goes a long way. Listening goes a long way. It's something we've kind of lost touch with. Yeah. And so we're trying to bring that back into style is this this idea that, you know, if you truly take the time to get to know people around you, you just encourage that sense of compassion in your own community. And then with that individual too, because they hear what you're, you know, what you're doing for them. They see what you're doing for, for them and they just get that, that feeling of compassion and love yeah. too, through, through just the act of listening, which is, I think, I mean, I would argue, yeah, thousands, thousands of times yeah, more compassionate. It's, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah, it's, you hit it on the head. And also, at the same time, just being able to meet different people. And sure. It, and it doesn't have to be what Mr. Bros would say, the chief empowerment officer. <laughs> it, it literally is your next door neighbor or the neighbor across the street. Yeah. Or the store clerk. That's, we, we want to hear their story. And sometimes I feel like when you you at the grocery store and you notice that people are on their cell phones when they're getting checked out by the clerk, it's like, dude, what about the clerk? They're they're checking out hundreds of people a day. I'm sure they would appreciate you just making eye contact with them and saying, hey man, how are you doing today? Or hey, how's your day? What's going on? What you got going on this weekend? Mm -hmm. Something simple would I feel increase someone's awareness, mm -hmm. in my belief, mm -hmm. at work. I yeah. mean, active listening is such a huge superpower if you can really listen to somebody yeah. and not and not have that running commentary in your head um that's kind of what mindfulness has also taught me like less judgment and more active listening and compassion that has made a big difference for me personally in my professional and my in my <laughs> personal life i have three daughters and to not be uh, to actually listen to them yeah. and not be waiting to tell them what they should do. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So yeah. Um, do you have any book or like Netflix or anything recommendations that would help someone right now to raise their compassion or to figure out, you know, to improve their active listening or to do a podcast? I mean, what, you know, I always ask people like, what are the books or influences that are, you want to scream from the treetops <laughs> to help change lives? Yeah. Right. Like what are, so Margie. Okay. So as a health coach, um, this is the one that I'm just completely stuck on right now. And I think it's just so impactful in people's lives if they can really implement the tools uh, that are in the book. And that's Atomic Habits. Okay. It's by James Clear. And basically he breaks down anything that you want to accomplish into just successive, small, teeny, tiny, minuscule little habits. Um, but just the the way he breaks it down and um, the tools that he gives you to implement those habits, it, it's life-changing. And it's probably the best book I've read in the past maybe three years. Wow. So highly, highly recommend that book. And I use it, like I said, with a lot of my clients that I, I coach because it fits in with my philosophy, my philosophy being 
do something in a sustainable way. So if you want to lose weight, let's let's figure out how you can do it in a sustainable way because you may pay me for 6 months to be your health coach, but it's more important to me what if you're able to carry on what we accomplish, you know, for 5, 6, 7 years, 10 years, your lifetime. And um and that's really what that book is about. It's how do you make this just ingrained into your your belief system ingrained into your everyday. Is there some aspect of your life that you can sort of explain in more detail, how that sort of philosophy has uh, improved your life? Improved it, yeah. Uh, well, so health-wise, it's easy for me um, to get up and do what I do because I'm a health coach, so it's already ingrained into um, my personality. It's already ingrained into who I am yeah. as an individual. And, and once it becomes a part of your identity, it's really easy to, you know, get up and go to the gym or, you know, eat healthy foods. And so uh, that aspect of it is already kind of taken care of it for me. But there are aspects that I want to improve upon as a health coach, things like uh, blogging thing regularly, things like um, meditating regularly, which is still not quite a solidified habit for mm -hmm. me. And so um, I'll, I'll take the meditation one since we were talking about meditation. And I do feel like that's a really important habit for certain people to develop. Um, I wanted to do meditation more. And so what I decided to do is we actually cleared up our podcast space that we had been using for a little while um, and moved it into a separate room. And, and my husband did all the moving and stuff. It was really great. And I freed up this lovely little corner of our bedroom and I bought myself a meditation seat. So actually... Um, you know, buying something specifically for that that habit that you want to implement. And I built up a really just beautiful space where I actually want to be in. And when I wake up in the morning, I have a dead view of that <laughs> corner of the room. So it tells me, go meditate. Yeah. And so it's putting it in the line of sight, uh, like actually building the space and a space that you want to be in to do that habit, and then making sure that that's a dedicated space for it. And then, and then it's just building up the time. Like, um, for instance, and, and this is something like he talks about in the book, it's called habit stacking. It's for instance, um, you don't think about brushing your teeth. For instance, you wake up and after I wake up, I go to the bathroom and I brush my teeth. That's a habit stack. After I brush my teeth, I go get a drink of water. That's a habit stack that I add for my clients, full glass of water. I take my medication with the water. That's another habit stack. After that, I make my coffee. With my coffee, I sit down and I read 10 pages of the book that I want to finish. You start building these habit stacks and then it doesn't become a thought process. Oh, do I have to do that today? No, it just, you decide. <laughs> it happens after I brush my teeth. And that, because you're, you know, you're taking just these small steps, naturally this habit stack builds up in those 10 pages or become, I, I finished that book you know, in a week or whatever it is. And so that habit stack just builds up. So, if, you know, for me, it would be I wake up, I brush my teeth, I sit and I do five minutes of meditation in the morning. And that's a, that builds my habit stack. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah thank you. <laughs> but that can, gonna, I mean, that can apply to so many different things that you do. So um, I leave work and this is one I'm working on with a client right now. Uh, I leave work. I get in my car, I go to the gym. Mm. I get out of my car, I put on my workout clothes. I get on the treadmill for 10 minutes. And I told him after that, you can decide. If you're done, go home. But you're already at the gym, you already started working out. Yeah. 
you might as well stay and do some weights, right? Like, it, you know, the, that's that small little step. I just, there's no decision. I get in my car after work. I go to the gym. Wow. Yeah. I'm, that's fantastic. <laughs> and that, this, how, there's some other stuff in that book. But it, like I said, just one of my favorite reads of the year. Nice. Yeah. So speaking of reads, how can I read your blog? Uh, okay, so that's that's another one. So that, <laughs> my website is uh, healthyandhustlin.com, H-U-S-T-L-I-N. And um, I try to put a blog out a month, though I have not been doing that lately. We've been kind of wrapped up. with. Yeah. So my family is staying with us currently. My parents are staying with us as they move out of their house, which has been great because I feel like I have gotten all the family time in the world and I, I've loved having them with us and they've actually helped a ton around our house mm -hmm. they're they're picking up all sorts of projects they're the best type of parents that you could have living yeah. with you Absolutely. our house looks like brand new they painted they did all this stuff for us but that was also just the family time has taken over some of the stuff that I just normally routinely do and I am super appreciative for it like it's like been a little mini vacation for both of us yeah. to kind of go home sit, relax with them. And, um, but yeah, the, the goal is to get back into the blogging so you can check it out there. And I post generally just positive little things that I'm thinking about. Um, just ways to shift your mindset about health basically. And you also have social media. I do both, uh, Instagram and Twitter Instagram. and Facebook, but I'm not as active on Facebook. Instagram is healthy and hustling. Um, Twitter is just healthy hustling because the character limit. Um, so you can find me on both of those. All right. Yeah. Cool. We'll do it. Yeah. Okay. Well, you've had a, a minute to think. <laughs> so what is the, like, what's your thing that you would want someone to dig into to make a difference in their life? Yeah. That, I love that question as well. So about four years ago, our company, uh, had a book club. So each VP would have they would pick certain people out and do a book club with them. And they picked out a book called Grit. And it was delivered into it. my office. And I was part of this book club. And I guess a few of my friends kind of gave me a little bit about being part of this book club. But I love that type of stuff. I always, it's like coming here. It's always an honor and privilege when someone wants you to come and meet them in person. And so go through that book by Angela Duckworth was awesome, phenomenal. There's so many different stories from... West Point to the violinist, or the pianist, or the artist. So it's structured systematic versus, man, you know, if I keep playing this, if I keep playing this instrument, I'm going to become better and better and better. And so with that book, why it resonated with me so well is my parents came from Vietnam, right? So they came off of a, a United States cargo ship and no English, no money, nothing. And they were implement or I guess put into a refugee camp in Arkansas and got sponsored by three couples from a church in Guthrie, Oklahoma, actually. And from there, they learned how to speak, read, write, speak English, became citizens, mowed yards, and li we lived in a small 300 square foot garage. And so that took, that book resonated with just the word grit, right? It takes grit. We all have grit. You have a lot of grit. You you say earlier you lost two siblings. I couldn't imagine that, so I can say I understand. However, I could imagine how much grit you have and to be mentally strong where you are, where you have three daughters now. Then tell me that that takes some serious grit. Yeah. You have a huge serving of it, right? <laughs> Just like my wife has a huge serving sure. of grit going through anxiety and, and I mean, sorry, an anorexia 
I haven't experienced that. Yeah. So I can't say, man, I'm, I, however, I mean, yeah. Yeah. You both have it. <laughs> well, I think a lot of people surprise themselves of how much grit they actually have. Like, mm -hmm. um, you know, um, like for instance, my, my parents are just, you know, dealing with, I have, and there were just three of us, and now there's just me. Mm -hmm. um, and just watching my parents deal with that. Right. And, how strong they are despite that, you know? Um, and I think they've surprised themselves that they've been able to keep it together, yeah. you know, um, with grit, because it's so easy for yeah. to fall apart. Um, and I think, um, so um, in, in my work here at the association, I'm kind of our in-house storyteller. And so um, I came from the newspaper world to the nonprofit world and, um, like as you guys have kind of uh, you learned from Mike Bros that we do a lot with to end homelessness mm -hmm. yeah. and also to prevent suicide and promote mental health and reform the criminal justice system. But one of the things is, um, and I did this very early on um, coming here was I'd always seen people experiencing homelessness. I called them the homeless. Then I called them. I saw them as just homeless. You know, keep on driving. But when I came here. And a part of my job was to go into our housing, to go to our drop-in center and meet people where they live and, yeah. and tell their stories. I finally saw them as not the homeless who want to be homeless, who all the horrible stigmatizing things that I used to think. Mm -hmm. And I just saw them as, like, I see you guys, you know? Um, and that was, and to see the grit that they have. Yeah. Because good gosh. I mean, because they, a lot of them had, normal lives i mean for the most part um and whether it was substance abuse or mental illness or divorce yeah. divorce played a huge role in homelessness um you know uh, losing a job plays a huge role in homelessness but to go from i mean there's there's a couple that i know who i recently talked to they were living in a tent mm. they used up they they'd got down to their their last 60 dollars mm. and they had to make it they had to make the choice of do we do we spend this last $60 on a motel room and we have this one night where we're not homeless or do we go and we buy a tent for $60 and we go and hide on the east side of town and try to survive as best we can. So they bought the tent and you know, for if they didn't have grit more than likely that's where their story would have ended. Right. But they knew they reached, they got connected through a faith community and the faith community said, look, there's this program, it's called A Better Way. Um, and what we do through that is there's a, a van. We would love to do this in Oklahoma City, but it's a van and it um, three days a week it goes out and it offers people who are asking for money on street corners to hop in and go clean up parks for a whole day pay them $65 at the end of the day and connect them to treatment nice. and services and all of the housing. And so this couple did that. They worked the one day and then, you know, um, got connected to more sustainable employment. Um, and they're now in our housing and, you know, you talk about grit, mm -hmm. you know, like yeah. my grit's nothing compared to theirs. <laughs> yeah. But those are, those are the kind of things, life lessons that I've gotten to learn while I'm, yeah. while I've been here. Okay. So I want to, um, pivot now to what have you guys learned from the defining moments participants, your, the people you've interviewed, like, what are the best lessons you've learned from them? Cause that's such a good question. The, the best, one of the best thing, lessons I've learned is just actively listen and just be there. 
be there in the moment. Uh, enjoy the moment you have. Enjoy these type of moments. Because I used, and I still do to a certain extent, I'm a planner, so I like to plan. And I'm not talking about five or 10 years down the road, but I like to plan my day. However, being in the moment now is probably the most important moment you can be in mm-hmm. right now. And so I, I, that's probably the biggest lesson. It's just, I'm here, we're doing this, an honor, and I get to hear you. Sure. Yeah. But it, was there one person that you talked to that you heard them say something that really sticks with you? Any, or like your favorite, what's your favorite? Oh, your we favorite? get that all, you, we were just talking about that today. We get that, that all the that, time. That's a very popular question. It that is. might be the most popular question. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I will say that. And you don't have to say Mike Bros. No. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, his, his was, was really a good, good too. One, yeah. His was that's excellent. really hard. <laughs> There's a gentleman by the name of Jason J.D. Rutherford. And he's mid-40s, but he's been incarcerated for... 30 20, years. Yeah, 30 years of his life. Throughout the podcast, I was listening. It was it was tough because it was intense to listen to his story. And he talked about... Everything. Everything. <laughs> and in that two-hour clip, he, he said, what's one of the coolest things is that he and I can connect and we can go walk around town and we would have a blast. We would have a ball doing things together. And there's, I don't see any, that he was behind bars. He doesn't see me as this podcast dude, right? It's just him and I just hanging out. That sticks with me because I feel like that, when you're in that moment and you're enjoying people, that those are the moments you wanna capture. And so when he said that, it gave me chills because I felt that vibe. And at first I was reluctant because I saw his Instagram post. I was like, I don't know. This guy looks like pin, Pinhead without the pins on Hellraiser, you know, and I don't know if it's Halloween or not. But after 45 minutes on the phone, I got the phone with him and my wife, Margie, looked at me. She's like, that guy sounds legit. You need to talk to him. And I did. <laughs> and we've been friends for over a year now. Yeah. And you found him. Through, he came to you through Instagram. Mm-hmm. He was like, I love the podcast. I want to be on. Yeah. He said he heard about the podcast and we have a mutual friend. So his mutual friend talked to him about it as well. And. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Marie. Oh, gosh, this is really hard for me because <laughs> I'm supposed to be completely unbiased and not have favorites. Um, again, I've had friends on, so I really have to <laughs> I have to be careful. Um, I, I really do. I have a hard time picking this one because I learned something. I'm an editor of the podcast, so I listen through every episode um, and... I get, I feel like I am the one actually doing the interviewing because I am editing it. You, you know, I know you do the interviews mm-hmm. and the editing, so that's kudos to you. Mm-hmm. But it, it, I get to get a feel for the person as I'm editing and it feels kind of like I'm in the room. Maybe this, uh, you know, credit to you and everything that you do when you interview. You really do make people feel like you're best, you know, now best friends with this individual and knowing their life story. Um, I think something that you kind of brought up and I'll piggyback off of what you said is the, just the understanding. And, and I've probably, I've already reiterated myself on this a couple of times, the understanding that every, everybody is going through something. I think we're quick to judgment nowadays. Um, people are quick to identify with people that they just know and and people that maybe even just look like them and or come from the same communities as them. And um, something that I've learned through doing work on this podcast is 
you know, make sure you're asking people how they're doing and, and what's going on in their day, what's going on in their life. Uh, reach out to people that you wouldn't normally reach out to, too, mm-hmm. and um, just have more conversations, have more face-to-face conversations. Um, really attempt to build an understanding of the individual because we're so quick to put people in boxes. Um, but truly, everybody is an individual. And um I'd hate for us to lose sight of that as a community. And that's the big time goal of our podcast is to really get to know the individual. Um, So with everyone, I'm just grateful that I get to know a little bit more about my community members. I'm grateful I get to a little, I mean, I've learned stuff about my friends that I didn't know. So you, and you're able to get that out of my friends, which is just so amazing to me. It's like, wow, I never heard that story. We've been friends for 10 years and I didn't know that story. So that, I think that's really cool. I will iterate. So JD's episode, the one that mm-hmm. Wong was talking about was our latest release, episode 38. Okay. Um, it is a very different, a person from a very different community than I'm used to. Um, I grew up from a very affluent family. And so uh, hearing his stories of his childhood and what he went through is totally unrelatable to me, but it is way eye-opening. Um, so I, I think I'd reiterate that that one, just from the perspective of, man, some kids actually go through this. It's incredible. It's an incredible episode. Yeah. I, I want to touch one more thing. Is sure. When Marty talked about the face-to-face interaction and you requested or asked if we would come on a podcast sometime and kind of asked about how we're going to do this. and <laughs> So we've been planning to try to come up, just like meeting the uh, coach Daniel Chabonier at Tulsa. It's like, we want to come up and we will take time out of our day if we can mm-hmm. to meet in person and do a podcast in mm-hmm. person because it's so important. You're in Tulsa, so it's what's 30 or I mean 90 minutes out of our day. We take yeah. a little bit of PTO and this is what we do. Yeah. This is what we do with our PTO. We go and meet people. We go on vacation sometimes if, or hang out with family. But however, we want to make what do we do in the, the time that we have? How can we give back? Mm-hmm. And this is one of the ways that we want to give back to the community is sharing stories. Um, well, I think, I think I'm, I'm, I've asked all my questions. (laughs) Is there anything you guys, uh, would like to talk about? Anything I haven't asked you? Well, you haven't asked, but we would like to ask you. Okay. What, what would be one of your defining moments in your life so far? Sure. Um, let's see. Um, yeah, I knew you guys were going to ask this (laughs) and, uh, I'm not on Prozac anymore. And so... Because when I was on Prozac, um, I got on that when I found out my brother had um, cancer and was going to die, and I couldn't stop crying, and so I needed help to get a, yeah. a grip. And um, I did that for a year, and my um, my psychiatrist said, you know, after a year, see, you know, kind of wean yourself off and see what it's like. And so um, I'm having more emotions now. Yeah. And so. Uh, when, when you asked, I knew this was coming and I was, uh, I was bracing myself for it for, um, so, um, when my brother, he died, his name is Peter. Um, when he died, um, a week before Christmas, um, it was horrible in many ways, but, um, we'd lost my sister, uh, a year and a half before. So when he passed, um, it was devastating on many way, in many ways, and so I told him before he died that um, I wanted his death to be a defining moment for me. That I didn't want him to just die and he be gone. Um, I wanted to be a better person because uh, I saw how 
how much grit he had, how much strength he had. He never complained, not once. Um, and he, he always told people that he was, he was just going to heaven to get things ready for us when we got there, you know. Um, and so his death was really a defining moment for me because in my family, um, because um, I could have gone one way or I could have gone the other. I could have let that tear me down. I could have shut off. Um, and instead, I spent that time um, just reading and reading and reading. I read the Bible uh, all the way through. I read um, the one of my favorite books is The Dalai Lama's The Path to Tranquility. Um, I've just, and my friends kind of get, they're like, okay, what have you read lately? Okay, what'd you learn? <laughs> yeah. um, but it's all about, you know, taking that defining moment and becoming a better person. And that's going to be a lifelong journey um, of trying to be a better person. But yeah, that's my defining moment. Wow. 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 I, lo I love that the, the I'm going to make this my defining moment for, yeah. like, for you. I'm going to make this my defining moment. Yeah. It's just yeah. really powerful. He'd be, I, I, I just want to make him proud. I know he's around. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. Anyway. Guys, thank you wow. so much this for being amazing. here. amazing. Yeah. We're really excited to be here. And yeah. Wow. Get to do this. Yeah. <laughs> Most definitely. All right. So, um, you know, uh, at the end of every podcast that we do, um, kind of to uh, remind people that we can all make a difference, I always say, go do good things. Nice. I love so, it. There you go. go and do we good will. Things. Go do good things. We will. <laughs>